This is the Word of the Week from HC3. Hi, my name is Steve Whitby and this is the Word of the Week. Unfortunately, this week we had some issues with the audio equipment. So this week we're going to revive one of the sermons from our archives. The sermon is titled Salt and Light. It was spoken by me and it was recorded at our service on the 9th of September 2018. There aren't any slides to go with it, but I hope that you enjoy the sermon. God bless. there and, and Stuart walked past taking the young people out and said you're about to preach so I'm off <laughs> and I said hang on I'm coming with you <laughs> how was your week challenging challenging mm-hmm. testing mm-hmm. trying mm-hmm. hard yeah. have you got anything good to report yeah. <laughs> <laughs> bit of both it's difficult. I am finding at this moment in time, over the last few weeks, I'm finding it very difficult to be a good Christian. For lots of reasons. Worries, stresses. You know, I thought when I was going to, when I thought when I retired, when I finished work on the July the 19th, life was going to be wonderful. I was going to be so relaxed and so chilled and I'm going to have so much time on my hands. <laughs> Forget it. Forget it. Because I shared with you before, I mean, now it's God's time and I retired on the 19th and on the 20th my father was taken into hospital with this horribly aggressive brain tumour. He was given four weeks to live, which should have been last Monday, and he's still here. He says, I'm on borrowed time, but by heck, I'm making the most of it. (laughs) But that in itself brings its trials, as you can imagine. It brings its worries, it brings its... It stresses and strains upon the family. Can I have the first piece of scripture, please, Lynn? This challenges me. This last few weeks, this piece of scripture has really challenged me. We all know this piece of scripture. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 says, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? And I was thinking to myself, how bad, how bad would it have to be to lose my saltiness? How far off the mark, how wide of the mark would I have to be to lose my saltiness? Given that we know how gracious God is, given that we know how patient God is, given that we know that God loves us unconditionally, is it possible for a Christian to lose their saltiness? Because the consequences, if we do, are frightening. It says it is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. To be thrown out and trampled underfoot. That's terrifying, isn't it? Have I got my saltiness? How salty am I? Only God knows. I know you could all have an answer to that one and it would be various degrees, believe me. 
I know well. But how do I know that I haven't lost my saltiness? How do I know that I'm still somewhere near where God wants me to be? I found it incredibly easy, despite the fact that many people say it was challenging, I found it incredibly easy when God said to me in April, you will retire on your 61st birthday, to say, oh yes, Lord. And it wasn't just a case of, I can't wait to retire, it was a case of, I knew that God, what God was telling me. It, as, I, as I've said before, it's just one of those things I knew in here, in my heart, in my knower, that God wanted me to do. And I never, ever, from that moment, had any doubts. Okay, I did wake up one night thinking, oh, I haven't got managed financially, and straight away I thought, no, go away, Satan. That didn't come from God. God knows my needs. God knows exactly what he's got planned for me. God knows what he's got lined up for me. God knows exactly what I require. So I have no fear about that. I have no fear about that at all. So I retire from the stress and the strain of working for a living. I retire from the stress and the strain of being on call 24-7. And as I've shared before, the day I drove out of RF Honington for the last time, as I went through those gates and turned left and went down the road, as if somebody had taken two bags of cement off my shoulders. The pressure had gone. I wasn't just going away for a week or two weeks holiday. I was out of there. And I was out of there for good. So therefore, with all the pressure and all the stress and strain of work and life gone, I could live my life. I could have some quality, quality, quiet times with God in the mornings. I could have some praise and some worship. And I could go around and I could share the love of Christ with people. And I could do the nice things of life. The very next morning, it's gone, hasn't it? Your dad's ill, take him to the hospital, take him to the doctors. We think he's having a stroke, take him to the hospital to find out that he's got this horrible, horrible tumour and it's got only so long to live. Patience. We spoke this morning, we prayed this morning about patience. I watched that video that you brought, Nick, and then the prayer around it, and I'm just thinking, oh my goodness, this guy is stealing my sermon. (laughs) Patience. 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 I'm terrible. Do you know, I used to be such a patient, calm, chilled out person. And over the, over the years as I worked in uh, Honington and the stress levels built up, I became less tolerant of things there. As I've shared before many times, I have a lot of patience with people, but technology. Ah! If I could have a pound for every time I, could thr- I would have thrown my computer out the office window, I would never have to worry about money again. But... I've realised over the last few months, and even more so, I guess since I've retired, I've had time to step back and take a look at my life and realise what's going on. I've realised that as I'm becoming older, I'm turning into a grumpy old git. <laughs> my girls would tell you, what do you mean turning? But I am. <laughs> I am turning into a grumpy old man. And I am becoming less and less tolerant of people around me sometimes. I went to Wisley yesterday to the garden show and it was lovely, it was nicely set out all in the grounds and there were stalls and there was lovely stalls and I bought four more plants, I don't know where I'm going to put them because the garden's crammed full but I bought four more plants and I bought a piece of sculpture for the garden and so on and so forth, I had a lovely chilled out day but do you know what, the people around me are oh. <laughs> the stupid things that people say 
And there's a chap standing there and this woman was trying to do something, trying to, I think, I think oh, that's right, it was the coffee stall and she'd gone to the coffee stall and she bought the coffee and she went, you know, they put a table at the end there with all the sugars and the sweeteners and a jug with milk, you know. And do you know these infuriating jugs where you have to pick it up by the handle and press the thing for the spout to open to pour the jug? And this woman is trying to pour this thing without pressing the, the thing down. And she's, she's muttering and puttering, talking to this jug. I mean, yeah, come on. <laughs> <laughs> like a jug throwing her arms in your back. But anyway, she's talking to this jug and she's rap, 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 rap. and this dear chap who's standing behind her in the queue waiting to use the jug says, if you press that button on the handle, the spout opens. And she turned to him and she said, don't you tell me what to do. And I felt like saying to her, how very rude. That man is trying to help you. You know? But just little things like that, that two, three years ago, wouldn't have bothered me. All of a sudden, they've started to irk me. They've started to dig into me. They've started to irritate me. And I just think, I am turning into a grumpy old man. I am turning into a less tolerant human being, which worries me. You know, the start of your video this morning, the fruits of the Spirit. Joy, peace, patience, self-control. Saltiness. My saltiness. Is my saltiness being diluted? Is my saltiness fading away? Is my saltiness leaking out of the bottom of the pot? Yeah. I don't know. That's the answer. I don't know. But if I'm honest, I'm afraid. I'm worried. I'm scared that I'm not going to be an effective Christian. I don't want to be delivering to somebody a watered-down gospel. I don't want to be delivering half a truth. I want to tell people the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth, as they say in the courts of law. I want people to see Christ in me, his light in me, his salt in me. I used to drive, uh, I had two or three different cars where I had the, the fish on the back, the Christian fish, the ichthus, is it called? Yeah, yeah on the back. My last two cars, I've deliberately not had one on because I've become less tolerant on the roads. I've become less patient with people on the roads. Will you get out of my way? Oh, I'll dip your headlights, you fool. And off I go again. You know? Even last night on the way back from Wisley, coming up the, I went around the M25 and come up the A12, there's a chap behind me, probably three, four hundred yards behind me, but his headlights on full all the way and I so want to just pull up across the road so he couldn't get past and go out and bang on his window and say dip switch mate, dip switch <laughs> you know but no, because I'm called to be a Christian and because I'm called to be tolerant and patient and loving and kind I just put up with it through a grit of teeth <laughs> I put up with it, I tolerate it we have situations in life all the while, don't we, where we'd really like to go, hey mate, <coughs> when actually you just say, bless you, bro, and walk away. It is testing, isn't it? It's trying. All the while it's trying. It's almost as if, well, I know, there's the old enemy standing on my shoulder. Just, go, on, go on, just have a go, mate. Go on, just, just lose your rag. Go on, go on, just say something. Go on, go on, just, just flash your lights back at me. Go on, go on. You know? And I think, no. I'm going to hang on in here. So saltiness. 
Why did Jesus say, you are the salt of the earth? I, read, I was looking, reading, reading the thing up on, on this week on, on salt. In Jesus' day, salt was connected with three things, really. It was collect, co- collected. <laughs> connected with purity. It glistened white and it was pure and it was clean. Am I pure? Am I white? Well, the shirt is. Am I clean? It was uh, connected with preserving. If I'm full of salt, am I self-preserving? Am I here for eternity? Not literally here, but you know what I mean. It was also connected with flavouring, with seasoning. Are we seasoned Christians? Do we have the right flavour about us? Do we present ourselves as seasoned Christians? Or do we present ourselves as Christians that are leaking? Christians that are losing our salt? Losing our flavour? Losing our way? Very easily done, isn't it? Are we full of flavour? Are we fulfilling our potential? Are we doing what God has given us to do? Whatever that may be. And we all have a different calling, I know that. But are we fulfilling our potential? Because I fear that if we're not, we're heading for disaster. We as individuals and we as a church, if we are not fulfilling the potential that Christ has set out for us, we are heading for disaster. Can I have the next verse, please? Verse, uh, sorry, verse 15 says, You are the light of the world. A town on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. You are the light of the world. A light is something that's meant to be seen. We can't operate as Christians and hide up. I realise that from my street pastoring days. Sometimes we come across very awkward situations and quite apart from the fact I had a big coat on and a baseball cap on with street plasters, street plasters plastered all over it. Some may follow it, street plasters plastered all over it. Quite apart from that fact that I couldn't hide the fact I was a street pastor, I couldn't hide the fact that I was a Christian. I couldn't hide the fact that I was a Christian. I couldn't go and hide away in a corner because I didn't like the situation I was encountering. Because God had called me to be in that situation. God had called me and the team, whoever was with me, to deal with that situation, to talk to that individual. I've shared before, I believe, about times when I've stood and I've talked to people. I remember talking one night to a homeless guy and he had a girl with him and all the while I was talking to this this homeless guy, this girl was inhaling lighter fluid, in lighter gas inhaling lighter gas. I don't know whether you know, but lighter gas, actually, the, the palate at the back of the mouth is a very soft piece of tissue, and that's your taste buds, and that reacts quickest, and that absorbs quickest, the taste. So if you taste something really sweet, that taste bud is, is soaking that, that t- taking that taste on straight away and telling you, oh, that's a nice sweet flavour, and it goes to the brain, that sends that good feeling through the body, because it's sweet, or because it's sour. It goes, oh, your body goes, ew. And that's why, because of that palate, because of that piece on the back in the back of your mouth. And when these people inhale lighter fluid, that absorbs into the into the system, and it absorbs into the system so quickly that if they continue to inhale it, the back of the tongue swells up and they asphyxiate. 
And that's why people die from inhaling things such as lighter fluid or lighter gas. But to stand there, I would have been, I would have given my right arm to be, right arm to be ambidextrous, yeah, I know. I would have given, <laughs> I, I would have given my, my right arm to be anywhere else on that night except to stand and talking to that young man and watching this young woman do that and saying to her, why are you doing that? Please don't do that. Why are you doing that? When all I really wanted to say was, give me that can! Don't do that, you stupid girl! But that would have won nothing, would it? That would have made no difference. Having to show the love of Christ, having to show the patience and the peace and the self-control of Christ, having to let our light shine that others may see it. We can't operate in the dark. We can't, you know, if you were to put this room into darkness, pull all the blinds, come back at midnight and it's pitch dark in here, you walk in here and light a, light a candle or switch on a torch, what happens? The light conquers the darkness, doesn't it? Therefore, we can go into darkness with our light and we can conquer, dar- conquer darkness, praise God. I'll say that again. We can conquer darkness. Thank you. Are you are awake? <laughs> It's all right. You are the light of the world. A light is something that's meant to be seen. As I said, we cannot operate in the dark, especially with the freedom we've been given, especially with the grace we've been shown by Christ, especially with the power that we've been given through his Holy Spirit. And you notice on there, it says, you are the light of the world. It doesn't say you are the light of the church. We've all said many times before, it's easy to turn up here on a Sunday morning and be, I'm a Christian, I'm born again. Praise God, praise God. And then go out the door and forget it. We are the light of the world, not the light of the church. We are called to be the light of the world and to go out into the darkness and let our light shine before men. A light can be a warning or a guidance to others. You think about lighthouses on rocks. You think about these lanes of, for shipping with the, the boys with lights on floating in the sea, guiding those boats safely through their channels, through the waters. We can have the same effect with our light by guiding others, by setting an example to others, by showing others the love of Christ and they will follow you. They will follow you to Jesus. That's our desire, isn't it? That's, that's, what we're, that's what we're supposed to do. Others follow our light from darkness and we leave them to God. My current situation, my ongoing situation, my dear dad, has called for a lot of light and a lot of salt. And there have been times where I've sat and had conversations with my dear dad and I've had lots of conversations with my dad over the last couple of weeks. I go every morning, Monday to Friday, and pop over during the weekend. He has so many visitors weekends, so I just kind of drop him where he's got nobody to sit with him for an hour. He's got a lovely, lovely carer. She's a, a lady who was, uh, came over from Zimbabwe in 2002. She's a, a born-again Christian. She's a Catholic. She's spirit-filled. 
myself and this young lady whose name is Toko, we sit in my dad's kitchen sometimes and we pray and we pray. I pray in tongues, she prays in tongues, we have pictures, we have visions. And the other day as she was praying in tongues, I could see a door being opened between heaven and earth and my mother standing up in heaven waiting for my father to go up the stairs to her. And the power of that image just would not leave me. It would not leave me. So I knew that it was God. I knew that it was God. And my dad is ready to die. He knows he's dying. Yes. And yet the frustrating part for him is because he's on these steroids, uh, this thing is eating away at his brain, but there's no pressure. He's in no pain. Wow. On Monday, he, li- he likes, do you know how to drink De Serrano? Yes. An amaretto. It's like syrup in a glass. Yeah. My, dad, my dad has never, ever been a drinker, believe me. He's never been a drinker. But over the last three or four years, he's taken to the odd glass of amaretto with his feet up in front of the TV of an evening. Oh, I think I fancy a drink tonight. He's just had the one glass. Since he's been unwell and come home from hospital, a couple of people have bought him a bottle of Di Serrano. Monday evening, he sat and he had a glass of Di Serrano, and he drank it. And he thought, I think I'll just have one more. So he had one more. Then he looked across at the bottle and thought, that bottle's nearly empty. I think I'll finish it off. The problem with this nearly empty bottle was it was three quarters full. When he got up to go to bed, he fell and he cracked his skull. And he's got a bruise all down here, bruises and cuts all up his arm. The carer phoned for an ambulance because she couldn't pick him up on her own and she'd been told if he has a fall, dial 999. They couldn't send an ambulance for four hours. So she phoned my brother, my youngest brother who lives in Dis, literally five minutes from my dad, his first port of call for this type of thing. So my brother and sister-in-law went around and picked my dad up and put him to bed. Four hours later, an ambulance comes and they checked him over and said, well, he seems to be okay, but if there's any bad signs in the morning, phone a doctor, phone an ambulance, whatever. So they leave him to sleep in peace. He gets up the next morning, no recollection of what happened, no hangover, no headache, no pain. I, on the other hand, had great joy because for the first time in my life I could lecture my father about alcohol abuse. <laughs> After about 15 years of receiving, it was my turn to hand it out. But he sat there with a wry smile on his face and said, you're enjoying this, aren't you? <laughs> but these are the kind of situations we're having to deal with. He, and he's sitting there and another problem is, because he's in no pain, and he knows he's dying, he says to me, why is this happening to me? Tell me. Why is your God letting this happen to me? Why am I allowed to go through this? I know I'm ill. Why can't I just lay down and die? I'm an old man. I've had my life. Why can't I just lay down and die? What do I say? Do I say, well, do it. Lay down and die. Get on with it. Crack on. (laughs) It does have a funny side to it, doesn't it? It really does. I know it sounds a bit twisted, but it does have a funny side to it because because that's the way my father would speak to me. Well, get on with it. What are you waiting about? Get on with it. What have you done in life? Should I do so? I'll just get on with it. My dad is always been there. I, I have 
in-laws and friends and other family that come in and talk to him and because of his condition, because he's a bit forgetful, they laugh at him and they tease him. And I think, you know, and he laughs with them. But I couldn't do that. I can't do that because I've been raised to respect my father. You know? And sometimes I sit with him for four and a half hours and I pop out. The other day, would you like a cup of coffee? No, yeah, no, I'm, I've, I've had one. He said, you can have one. I said, all right, thank you. So I went in the kitchen and I make myself a cup of coffee. What are you doing in there? I'm making a cup of coffee. What, another one? I'm still making the same one. Then I walked through, finally, after a couple of minutes with this cup of coffee. Well, you got another cup of coffee? Now, that would be so easy just to turn around and say something nasty or be short with him. But I have to have the salt and light and the patience to understand what he's going through. And it is testing. On Friday, I took him out for a pub lunch. And we went up on the A140, heading from Broome towards Stoke Ash. We went to Stoke Ash White Horse, if you know. It's a lovely little place, recommend it. And there's some traffic lights for roadworks. And it was like having a three-year-old in the car. <laughs> Come on, let's be gone! What are we sitting here for? And I'm going, Dad, just be calm. Oh, traffic lights. I won't repeat exactly what he said because some of the language was quite blue. But anyway, but these are the kind of things we're having to encounter on a daily basis. The Friday before last, I took him out for a pub lunch. One of my sister-in-laws, bless her heart, means well, but she went to see my dad. She walked from her house to his house, which is all of three quarters of a mile, to go and visit my dad. And when she got there, he wasn't there because I'd taken him out for lunch. And I got, you could have told me you were taking him out for lunch. Being the gracious Christian I am, I said, I'm really sorry, I didn't know you were coming to see him. I'd have texted you and told you. When I really wanted to say was, since when do I need your permission to take my own father out for lunch? Mind your own business. But there's this inner peace in me that knows what's right and what's wrong. There's this inner peace in me that knows that I need to be salt and light. Yes. I know it's challenging. I know it's hard going. I know it's testing. And I know it would be so easy just to lose my rag with it all and say, right, enough, enough, enough. I come from a very traditional family, whereas the oldest, I have an older sister, two younger sons, younger brothers. As the oldest son, a lot of the responsibility falls to me. I am aware of that. I am also aware that my sister certainly is starting to look to me for support because of my faith. And I'm starting to see that that is being a witness to her because of my faith, because she sees me reacting differently in stressful situations to others. She sees that light and she feels comfortable with that light. And I was able to share with my sister the prayer that myself and the, the carer had and this picture that I had of mum and dad. At the same time, my brothers think it's a joke. One of them in particular thinks it's all one big joke. When my, mother, when my mother's funeral day, I walked into my, my, my dad's house with my, my Bible and that was in one of these pouches. And my brother looked at me and said, well, you bought your sandwiches? You know? So I'm having to com com compete with two different sides here, deal with two different, complete, people come from completely different angles. But I know that if I hang on in there, yes. 
the light will shine through. The light will conquer the darkness. And my brother will see Jesus. I believe that. I believe that with all my heart, that my brother, brothers and my sister will see Jesus. And they will get the same comfort and the same strength and the same reassurance I've got that my dad's got. I won't have a conversation with my dad about where he's going. He knows. He told me. He knows. God beat me to it. Seems that God's a better evangelist than me. I've never heard anything so outrageous. But bless God, he's got there. And he spoke to my father in dreams and visions and in his sleep. And my dad has seen mama. My dad even said, I saw your mum in a dream and I went to her. And she said, and he said, I'm coming, I'm coming. And she said, you go back. It's not your time yet. You go back. It's not your time. And he said, I always did as your mother said, so I came back. But to me, that's precious. That is precious. And I know that he knows where he's going. And I know that he has a real peace in his heart about it. He's not afraid to die. In many respects, apart from the things that he says and does because of this thing eating away at his brain, in many respects, he's dying with great dignity. And it's a privilege to stand and watch it happen. On the other hand, I wish he'd go. Might not sound a very Christian thing, but I wish he'd go. Not for my sake, not for my brother's or sister's sake, but for his sake. I don't want to see him lying there and suffering. I don't want to see him at the end just lying there in a vegetative state on, on drugs, on morphine. That's the way we're heading. That's the way we're heading. Verse 16 says, Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I know I'm an attention seeker. <laughs> I'm well aware of that. I love to be the centre of attention. I love to make lots of noise. I love to use this wonderful gift of an awful sense of humour that God's given me. I can see the fun in nearly everything, if I'm honest. Even dire situations. Even now I sit with my dad and we laugh. And we laugh. You know? And that's precious in itself. But at the end of the day, I want people to see Jesus in me. It's not about me. It's about him who sent me, as the Bible says. You know, and I want people to see that. I'm desperate. And I'm desperate to hold on to that saltiness. And I'm desperate to keep that light shining through all the trials and tribulations. Thankfully, Jesus not only shows us how to live, he gives us the power to live it his way, through his Holy Spirit. And while we stood at the back this morning, while I stood at the back this morning, we were worshipping, I was reminded of this piece of scripture. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those, Those who justified, he also glorified. Because we've been called, we're predestined to be called. And because we've been called, we've been justified. Isn't that wonderful? Not only have we been called, we've been justified. And because we've been justified, we've also been glorified. Praise God. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? 
He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any, sorry, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died. More than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. I find that very reassuring. That Christ is sitting at the right hand of the Father and he's interceding for me. That brings me a hope. That brings me a strength. That that restores my saltiness and my light. When I look upon the cross, when I think about what Christ has done for me. It goes on, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword as it is written? For your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life Neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is one heck of a guarantee. That is one heck of a guarantee. That is a lifelong, eternal long guarantee. There is no clause, there's no trick. You haven't got to sign up and pay a monthly subscription. You haven't got to be sold after you've brought the product. That comes with being a Christian. That is God's promise to us. Glory to God. Amen. Bless you, brothers. Thank you for listening. This archive sermon was recorded live at our weekly service on the 9th of September 2018. If you like this episode of our Word of the Week, you might like to have a listen to some of our other episodes. You can visit our Anchor page to listen to them the second that they are published at www.anchor.fm forward slash hc3church. If you would like to come and worship God with us, you can find out about where we are by going to www.hc3church.co.uk. And of course, if you have any feedback about this episode or any others, we would love to hear it. You can tweet us at ac3church or email us at podcast at ac3church.co.uk. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.